thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. Well, here we are a week after the day. Some of you, maybe the Patriots still have you feeling a little deflated. <laughs> yeah, some of you got that right. Get it deflate. Okay, anyway. Um, man, hopefully uh, this will pick you up today and it, it, it will help you feel a little more encouraged. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, but every day I was like, who else could they have thrown the ball to? Or, man, what if they would have run to the right side? Or what if they, you know, it's just like, Ugh. Anyway, our, our, our team played tough. And little did we know when we've been praying for Sherman to intercept, really we're praying for his healing, for his injuries, and, and all that fun stuff. So thanks to all you 12s, because, you know, we're about to lose the copyright for the 12th man I've been reading. So I just have to call you 12s. We had a lot of fun last week, and uh, football Sunday, and if you weren't here, you can catch it online. But uh, we're, we're excited to jump back in today to our Luke series, and really it's the second half of the book that we're jumping into. So Luke eleven fourteen is where we're going to read, and it starts off real exciting stuff here. So here we go. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left the man who had been mute, spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can this kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now I drive out demons, or now if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He continues to draw another illustration here. Verse 21, when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks, overpower him, overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. 
When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes, takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Never had that happen before in a service. That'd be weird. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Okay, a lot just happened there. <laughs> You're like, it's kind of like last week when Matt Asselbeck was talking and he's like, you know, I could teach anybody how to throw the ball, you know, if they're a quarterback. First they're going to go to this, and then they're going to check down, and then they're going to go over it. It's really simple because if that check down's not there, then you go to this check down. And about five minutes later, we're lost, all of us. And, and he, but to him, it was really simple. And Jesus teaches all these things which are really simple to him, and he rattles one lesson after another. But we're going, what happened? Seven, huh? Here's the deal. Neutrality with respect to Jesus is impossible. It's impossible. Jesus says himself, you're either with me or against me. You're either with me or against me. You either score the touchdown or lose the Super Bowl, right? I mean, so you get it. It's just, I'll let you heal. I'll stop. Okay, it's been a while, right, since we've jumped into Luke. So let me remind you what we're doing here through the course of this series. We're walking verse by verse through the whole book of Luke. And uh, we need to recall a few things before we jump forward. Luke was one of the, the disciples with Jesus, and he went back to record all the stories. And then the power came back on. And then Luke extended his hands, and the power popped. You know, I just get That was awesome. I felt really powerful there for a moment. I was like, Luke. Um, Luke was recording the things and wanted to capture all of what Jesus' life meant and did. What was Jesus doing? And he wanted to do this, and he was paid to do this by this dude named Theophilus. He was a benefactor that wanted to pay Luke to record all these things so that everybody, specifically those who didn't grow up being taught Scripture and grew up Jewish, basically, in the house of Israel, those who were Gentiles, those who didn't have the promise of eternal life until Jesus came, he wanted them to be certain that Jesus was the Son of God so that they knew they had grace. And so he's trying to get these things recorded and, and pays ultimately for the book of Luke and Acts to be written. And he pays Luke to be the point person. The way Luke writes is not necessarily in, like, historical, chronological order. He writes more in a way that would make sense to those who were reading it. He puts some thoughts together. Like today, there's a ton of stuff in here in between verse 14 and 28, and a lot of different teachings that do parallel other Gospels. These same teachings are in the other Gospels. But Luke puts it together in a way that it makes sense. So he puts like three different thoughts within this same section where other people have those separate occurrences because he's just trying to get recorded all of the information so that we're certain Jesus is the Son of God. So it makes sense, but what's cool in the second half of Luke here that I'm pretty excited about is 
he goes a level deeper than he has in the first half of the book. In the first half of the book, we would have stopped at, you know, he casts a demon out, and they call him Beelzebub, and he's like, no, how could I do this? And, and house divided, and he would have ended. But he teaches a layer deeper. Jesus now begins to ultimately teach right on the spot a level deeper so we can have more understanding of how this whole operation of the favor of God and how we in the name of Jesus can do things today and transform the world around us. We get more perspective, more of the nuances and highlights, and we get more educated. So I'm kind of excited about some of these elements. And today specifically, we get to look at like three different crowds of people and then the teachings based on those. So the first half of what we're going to do is we're going to look at the crowds. Look at the crowds. There were three groups of people described here in this passage. Three groups. The first group was the amazed, right? They're like, holy moly, this guy's been mute his whole life, and you cast a demon out and he begins to talk? What more evidence could you even process to believe this was a divine act from heaven? They're just amazed. So they're like, astonished to witness the miracle. They were there to witness, therefore they had the opportunity to be astonished. They're present without an agenda, this crowd. This is the majority, I believe, of the world today. The world is filled with people who have just never had the opportunity to be exposed to the miraculous, to be part of a moment where they witness a divine move of God, where they're inspired by Jesus. Maybe they've never been to church generationally, and they have an opportunity to walk through the door and go, okay, this is not at all what I thought it was. And, and so it's, there's this divine moment. I think the world is full of maybe what you could call yet-to-be-amazed people. And it's our opportunity to introduce them to that moment in their life where they can just go, Jesus is real. Holy moly, Jesus is real. They'd be amazed, but they've just yet to walk through the door. So here they witness a person who's never spoke, and that person is able to speak all of a sudden. Jesus casts out this mute demon, and the very fact that the person spoke is all the evidence and testimony needed that a miracle happened, right? No additional sign needed, at least for this crew, right? Next group, the accusers. The next group is the accusers. I made these three A's just for fun to see if I could, and then to help you remember it, maybe, who knows, uh, but the amazed and then the accusers. Honestly, um, had I been Luke, I probably would have gone right from the amazed to the third group. But uh, he goes right to the accusers. I think this, is, this group is like a little more brutal than the third group. But I, I, I just look at this and go, uh, I think asking for a sign is a little less of an offense than saying, you are doing this by Satan, you know. And it's just kind of crazy. Uh, maybe Luke is highlighting the reality that those who accuse what is good 
as being evil, which is in Scripture called blasphemy, um, at least they can see that there was a miracle and they're putting it towards something. At least their eyes are open and they can see that some form of higher power was just at work. So that's an advanced stage than those who just needed another sign. But he does teach on this group today and we're going to spend most of our time there. So let's go to group three. These are the asking or the askers, however you want to write that down. But they're the ones that say, now, I think I just heard him talk, but impress me, Jesus. I don't know. Show me another sign. You know, you're like, what? This guy's never talked? And you're like, anybody could do that. Come on. Like, impress us. Or maybe this is the group. I don't think, I don't think it's a matter necessarily of being impressed. I think they're blind spiritually. They're not in a place where they can even process. They're like, we need more signs. And Jesus is going to address them next week. We'll talk a little bit about this crew. Because seriously, these guys can't see what's obviously right in front of them. It's like a bat hits them in the face. I don't know what it'll take. A bat hits them in the face, and they're like, I think that hurt. But I'm not sure if it was wood. Can you just hit me again with that bat real fast? And I just want to see what that was. You know, is it aluminum? Is it hollow? Just one more time. You know, so I don't think they're ever going to get the sign that they're looking for necessarily, but they ask for it. And it's not bad to ask questions. That's not what's, what Jesus is going to address as we look at next week. It's not bad to ask questions. It's just bad to ask for additional signs. Asking questions is healthy. That's why we do events like this afternoon we're doing an event called Open Life 101 where you can find out what makes open life tick and if you're not signed up for it and if you've never been to it, you need to sign up at the connection table today because it's, it's awesome to be able to share with you how open life works and why we do the things we do and how we're making Jesus known in our community. So I look at that and I go, it's not bad to come and ask questions and kick the tires and figure things out. It's just bad to say, come on, impress me, Jesus. That didn't work for me. And Jesus is going to hit that one real hard. But his teaching today is on this second group. It's on the accusers. And we go from seeing a miracle to being taught about the moment that just happened and some of the nuances around it. So here's the, the second half is the teaching. So here's the teaching. The, the first point under the teaching, if you're taking notes, Division equals ruin. Jesus makes this so clear. Division equals ruin. Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided against itself will fall. And Jesus shares two illustrations for us to really capture the rationale of the accusers and how their rationale is irrational. He says, if I'm doing this, right, why would Satan cast out Satan? Why would he want to lose territory? Why would he release one of his own demonic influencers and lose territory? He's smarter than that. Beelzebul or Beelzebub, weird word, but it means the prince of demons or Satan ultimately. So that's, they're saying, Jesus, you're like just totally an operator of Satan. And you got to get this. 
Wouldn't you be tempted to think like, okay, this is something really supernaturally weird here? You would be in one of two camps, right? You would think this is evil or this is God because this is like supernatural. If you're in this moment, you would have to make a choice. You'd have to pick sides, and Jesus understands this. He says, if this deliverance was done by Satan, this is when he turns, the second real thought under division equals ruin. If, if, you, if deliverance was done by Satan, then the deliverance, every one of your disciples, he's saying to the teachers of the law there, every one of your disciples has done works for Satan too. So they're your judge. Reality is, the very sign from heaven had come. Jesus' work here, it says, was the finger of God touching this man. Jesus, God in flesh, had come. The kingdom of God had come. But it was the religious rulers that were the accusers. They felt their, ter- their territory was being threatened. And so the only choice is if they didn't create the moment, they were going to accuse it, and they were going to tear it down and make it Satan versus God so they didn't feel bad or look bad. I don't know. But it was the very finger of God that healed this person and allowed them to speak. Man, if you'd been waiting and studying religion and trying to find God with all your might, and he's standing in front of you and performs a miraculous sign, wouldn't you hope you would recognize it? And I still pray today, you know, there's, there's ways to share the gospel that have yet to be done, and, and, and we're going to need to celebrate, but they might make us uncomfortable. There's ways to, to reach the community. There's ways to, to do things that might stretch us. And are we going to be the ones that will go, well, it has to be done this way or it's Satan? Because it's religion that gets in the way of these guys seeing the very thing they've been praying to see. So we need to be careful not to be that, that crew because division ruins the church too as much as division would ruin Satan if he's turning on himself. This illustration goes both ways. The second thought of the teaching here is Jesus is stronger. It's interesting. It's just that little section right in the middle. It further illustrates that the kingdom of God has come and dominates the devil's kingdom. In verse 21, when a strong man... So the strong man here is a reference to Satan because you might think it's the other way around. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. So Satan, being the ruler of this earth, if he's guarding people and keeping them from from seeing Jesus, well, Jesus comes, it says, verse 22, when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Jesus is stronger. We sang it last week. He is stronger. He is stronger. Sin is broken. Hallelujah. He overpowers the enemy here. And he overpowers the things we put our trust in. So, so this is an interesting illustration for our life. If we put something, if we trust something more than God in our life, 
If we've got something in our life that we're putting more trust or faith in than Jesus, chances are at some point in time, that will be overpowered by Jesus for the sake of us having an opportunity to trust him. Isn't that interesting? What do we trust more than Jesus in our lives? Man, we trust our, our home? Do we trust our, our finances? Do we trust our relationships? Do we trust, you know, what do we put more faith in, time in, than our faith? And and whew, starts making you think a little. Jesus is stronger and wants our undivided devotion. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the all-powerful Jesus is sent so that we can see him. He has to overcome the things that come between us and God so that we can have a clear vision of Jesus. For me, I had to hit rock bottom in my life before I could see Jesus. I just had no comprehension of Jesus until I crashed in my life. And we have the promise here, hey, Satan is going to be ultimately fully plundered. The battle will go victory to Jesus every time. So we need to put our trust in that. No matter what we're facing, no matter what battle is ahead of us or right in front of us, we need to trust Jesus. So in this moment of trust, Jesus tosses this single line of teaching at us. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. He concluded his thought by encouraging those who were considering it to follow him and to ultimately gather to be with him. To gather was to be with Jesus. And without the gathering, the time with Jesus, we end up again being susceptible to the temptations of the enemy and putting things before us that are not Jesus, and we're scattered. And I think we see this ebb and flow as a, from my perspective as a pastor for a lot of years now, almost 20, 19 years. I've seen a lot of ebb and flow of, of those who will be totally united with Jesus and on fire for God, and then one week turns into two weeks, turns into three weeks, turns into four weeks, turns into six months, turns into a year, and then, whew, and then, you know, you see this ebb and flow. It's easy to compromise gathering, and what's even easier is to end up being scattered. And then we come back because we realize, okay, Jesus, I need Jesus. Church matters. Doing life together matters. It makes a huge difference. And Jesus is revealing that to us very, very clearly here. Man, for 21 years of my life, I was not even in one of these groups in this story. And I, I think of, you know, being scattered. I was amongst the scattered. And I would see those who went to church and then kind of left church, and then that, that's when they ended up in my world because I was never in church. So I was, I was the guy there in that world, and I, was, I didn't fit into 
any of the three groups that Jesus describes at the beginning. I wasn't present to be amazed. I, well, I was an accuser from where I was at in my perspective, and I definitely wasn't asking for a sign. I could care less at the time, right? My heart was not even open for that. And I, I look at these stories, and I look at what Jesus is teaching here, and I go, it's easy to look at the accuser saying this thing that Jesus is doing is Satan, and you're going, man, I could, Thad, I just don't even, I don't even relate with what you're talking about today. But I, I want to just connect the dots here because it was easy for me on the outside for 21 years to see the hypocrisy of the church, to see those come in and then leave. And they were, there was a part of me that was hoping that they would just sell out to Jesus and just be so faithful and when tempted, not give in. Because I needed to see a demonstration of this thing called following Jesus actually worked. And all I had seen is that it didn't, like people were failing. And I didn't know at the time that you fail, like that's part of the scenario. You're not perfect. I thought you had to be perfect. And so I was accusing, all because of hypocrisy. I was accusing the church of just wanting to put on a show and get your money and and all the things that everybody accuses the church of, but not from a crowd that was close to Jesus. I was a crowd that was far away from Jesus. So I was one of those that if you wandered away from the church just for a moment, I would try to suck you in and affirm every negative thought you had about the church. But you know what was crazy? Is there were enough people who love Jesus praying for my life that the moment the door was open in my life, I was able to find my way into that first group. And I was amazed that Jesus could forgive me. I was amazed. It was easy for me to find myself in the spot of the group that just needed to turn their life to Jesus. And some of you have friends that are the quickest to call hypocrisy. They're the quickest to throw doubt your direction when it comes to the church. They're the quickest to toss something negative out. But that's a good thing because at least their minds are thinking. They're not blind. They're not well, give me another sign and maybe. You know what I'm saying? This accuser, there's a moment of teachability here that could convert some of these to surrender their life to Jesus. It's very intriguing to me, and I hope you realize the power you hold in the relationships with those that maybe you even feel oppose you because I was in that group. I was in that crowd. And I hope you can love them effectively because they need the Lord as much as, as you and I. The final point here underneath the teaching that Jesus just hits home is this. Jesus must be invited into your life, not just added to it. I don't know about you, but this teaching about the demon and leaves to an arid place and comes back and checks out the house and it's spiffy like a Saturday evening after chores have been done, in theory. And so you're like, you know, you're like the house is clean and the demon's like, check it out, bros. Gets seven of his buddies that are even worse and they invade the house and it's like the dude's worse than the first and you're going, 
yeah, maybe I don't want to get rid of the demon that I have then. I'm just going to keep my pet demon, and uh, I'd rather not be worse off than the first. So this kind of teaching freaked me out early on in my faith because I was like, this scripture for some reason just really messed with me. I'm like, why would you throw that in there? You totally had me on amazed, right? But now, what's, are you saying the mute guy who just spoke for the first time is about to never see or talk again or hear? What's going on? So it's a pretty interesting teaching that Jesus tosses out there. Jesus sets us free, and in many cases in life, we don't comprehend all that His power is doing. We don't comprehend the supernatural side of, like, this battle that's happening when we surrender to Jesus or when we start looking to Jesus. If we don't full-on embrace Jesus when we choose to follow Him, invite Him into our life and start filling our life with Him, then it can be worse off down the road is what he's trying to share. It's something amazingly cool to realize that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we cross that line of faith and choose to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit at that moment actually comes into our life and fills the spaces that were occupied by evil, those spaces become filled with the very presence of God. Listen to this passage in Ephesians 1. It says in verse 13, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. It's a spiritual truth. The spiritual truth is when we make a decision to follow Jesus, we receive this mark, this Holy Spirit. But we've got to fan that into flame. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible, pray, worship, gather, because we become in that moment the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's this teaching Jesus is saying is, don't just be a fan, don't just show up and have the demon cast, but not choose to follow Jesus. Cross the line of faith, Jesus is saying, because you don't want to be worse off than when you came. So like I said, the second part of Luke is a little deeper, right? Like, because that would freak you out. You're going, this is weird talk. My weird meter, and maybe that's you today. Maybe it's your first time in a church and you're going, okay, I told you church is a little weird. <laughs> He's talking about like arid places. I don't even know what that means, but you know, it's just like it, and, and demons and there's seven of them and I'm a little, I might not sleep tonight. You know, you're just like, no, here's the way to solve all of this, Jesus makes it simple. Obey his word. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And what does he say to obey? Choose to follow Jesus. Believe with your heart that Jesus is the son of God. That the very works he did were not just fancy prophet guy doing works. Maybe Satan, maybe God. Impressive. Impressive. He's a cool dude. 
No, this was the Son of God. You can be certain this was the Son of God. It was the very finger of God doing these miracles we read about. And that's whom we can trust because no matter what we face, in the light of it, Jesus is going to plunder, dominate, stronger. He wins. So I want to be on that guy's side. And that's the opportunity we all face. There's an opportunity to be on his side and be continually amazed. So again, there's no neutral in the faith. And Jesus layers that with points here. You're either with me or against me. A house divided is ruined. So I want to give us an opportunity today to choose to follow Jesus. And not just choose to adore Jesus or add Jesus to our list of cool people, but like, no, today I'm going to cross this line of faith and say, I'm going to choose to follow you. I welcome you into my life, which is literally the Holy Spirit coming into our life. I welcome you into my life, and I can't wait to face life's struggles and battles, which will still be there, but now with the strength of the strongest conqueror on our side, defending us, getting us through those seasons, whatever the valleys may hit. So I want to pray for you. And some of you, on the back of your connection card, hopefully you fill out the front side, on the back side, there's some potential responses that you may find that would give you additional thought. And we're going to have the worship team play while you're kind of contemplating your responses. But maybe today you need to just prioritize making it to the gathering. Maybe that's a new thing for you. You're like, oh, I didn't ever look at it like if I'm not gathered, I'm potentially scattered. So maybe that's a step of action that could be a next step for you. Maybe it's going to be finally realizing there's strength in Jesus, so you need to sell out to Jesus and not just adore Him. Or, or maybe today you're going to move from listening to obeying or choosing to follow Jesus for the first time so you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Whatever your choice is, check the box, but I want to pray for those here. Lord, I thank you for your word, and today, man, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And I pray that, God, you would, you would allow us to process all of it here in the next couple minutes as Jamie leads us. I pray that, God, we could see the next step for our life. I pray that all of us, not only would we be in that crowd of amazement, but that, God, you would give us the words to say and the way to pursue those in our life so that we can introduce them to an opportunity to be amazed. And the first step for some of us in this room is going to be to choose to follow you, Jesus, and not just add you into our life as an additional option to pray to, but choose to literally follow you and and invite you into our life to be our Lord and Savior. So for those who've yet to do that, I want to pray with them right now that they would simply just say, Jesus, I choose you today. I choose to follow you and I want to invite you into my life. I want you not just to clean this house. I want you to fill it with your presence. And God, I pray that right now, the miracle of salvation, the greatest miracle of all, would take place in lives who have yet to choose to follow you. So God, come and bring salvation today. And above and beyond that, God, I pray for those who are facing struggles. 
those who are in season of, they need the stronger power of Jesus to come into their life and, and, and break the things that they're facing. I know some are struggling with, with cancer and tumors and relational issues and, and, and unfaithfulness and, and kids rebelling and, and so many different issues that we face, finances. God, I pray that you would show how mighty you are. Like right now, instantly, this week, God, you would show up and prove yourself mightier than we could ever imagine on our behalf as our Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.